Hello, and welcome back to A Reason for Hope. I'm your host, Mario Costabile, and I'm glad that you're listening to us today. A Ray of Hope is involved in many areas of media, such as films, music, and events. But these podcasts are different for us. It gives us an opportunity to tackle some deeper topics and subjects about our faith. Today's podcast episode is titled, Why Study Theology? Now, you might say, this is going to be a boring episode. Who wants to study about God, right? Well, I hear you laughing out there, but let me tell you a little bit of my story. So when I hit my 50s, I didn't have a midlife crisis, but I did have a crisis of faith. I was looking for meaning and purpose, and I was happy, but I didn't have the joy that I later found out comes from knowing God and trusting God in my heart. So at the time, my journey began, and through many circumstances, God started showing me a path. But this time, I finally accepted it and started to walk toward it. What helped me was the desire to know God and who God is. That's when I started to read books and lots of books on faith and spiritual books. I actually started to read the Bible. And what was happening is I was developing my intellect. I started to study theology. I mean, not in school, but, you know, on my own to learn as much as I could about God. I returned back to the sacraments, which opened my mind and my heart. And the combination of the two led me to a path of having a better relationship with God. So you can't have a relationship with anyone if you don't know them, right? Like any relationship, you have to get to know them. You have to understand their background, know their language, where they're from, what's important to them, right? It's the same with God. So our guest today is Dr. Andrew Swafford. What a wonderful guy. This is going to be a lot of fun. So welcome to A Reason for Hope. And here we go. So Dave, how are you doing today? I'm doing pretty good. It's getting warm outside. Yeah, well, Uh it's been an interesting spring to say the least, I think. It's been cold, hot, cold, 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 hot. Yeah, it's uh, it's kind of bizarre, but summer's around the corner. Yeah, um, you know, th- there's going to be also. Uh, I think by the time this podcast is released, everything's going to be pretty much nice in and bloom. hot. Yeah, AC maybe will not be on. too hot yet. I, I just, I, I, I kind of like May because May doesn't really get too too hot yet. Mm. You know, it's not too too humid yet. So yeah, um, but everything's blooming and the colors are great and nice. the grass is green. And you, you probably won't have like these really cold days like we're, we're nursing here through April. So, mm-hmm. um, so I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, yeah. I've, always been, uh, I've always been really kind of taken with an experience of God in nature. Mm. So, so for me, like, you know, I, I look forward to the, the turn of the seasons. When did, you, uh, when did you feel God through nature? When did that start happening? To you? Yeah, yeah. Well, no, it's it's it actually was when I was very young. Um, probably mostly I experienced it when I was in high school. Oh yeah. Um, so uh, it was when I really started to yearn for the mountains, and uh, enjoy spending time outside, and going for hikes and things of that nature. And I was, I was also reading some of the Carmelite saints and mm. and spiritual writers, which yeah which uh, kind of fostered that way of seeing the world. Yeah. So that was great. Yeah, I never actually knew that about you, that, uh, you know, you felt God early on 
in high school and in earlier years through nature. I mean, it makes sense. I mean, a lot of people feel God, you know, through experiencing his beauty and the outdoors and right. really seeing the grandeur of what he created. So tell me about how you actually got interested in studying all things about God and theology. And I mean, I knew you when you were a young guy and you're always interested in God, but theology, you know, it goes to another level. Yeah, that was really sort of always in me. Uh, When I was a little kid, I was always attracted to religious things. Mm. So I was, there was a Bible on my parents' bookshelf, I remember, and it had these pictures in it. Uh, and I always would sit in their room and like, look at the pictures. I mean, I'm talking when I was like five years old, I would just like pick up the Bible off the shelf and like, look at these pictures. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and when I was like, maybe I'm going to really date myself now when I was around seven years old, uh, that mini series, Jesus of Nazareth came out. Yeah. And, uh, I was was really, it was a big deal. It was a big deal for me too. So, uh, but but for me as a seven-year-old, it like captured me. It just fascinated me. Yeah. I remember like the f- the following Easter, I got like this Jesus of Nazareth storybook that like kind of had on the bottom simple stuff to read, but all mm. the pictures from the movie. Yeah, yeah. And uh, it was it was great. I like looked through that a lot. Mm. I would draw pictures of the crucifixion. Like it just wow. was like, you know, this is how I was when I was a little kid. <laughs> uh, but I still loved baseball and I was a sport nut. Like, you know, I just... It went from a bat to a crucifix. Yeah, it was, it was yeah. So it's sort of, uh, I know. And then when I got in high school, um, I uh, I got involved in youth group and, mm. and involved in retreats, which was during the time when I was growing up. And I think to some degree, although you're a little older than me when you were two, like retreats and youth group, that was like the hip thing to do. Mm-hmm. Um, so I got involved in that and there were a lot of people there and, and it wasn't just a small group. It was a huge group of people. And youth group and retreats really continued to inspire me. And that's when I started to read theology when I was in high school. Mm. So I was like, you know, I, I enjoyed reading philosophy and theology even when I was in high school. And uh, I remember when I was, particularly when I was a sophomore in high school, my dad had some spiritual books that I, again, took off his shelf and mm. read. So it, it sort of was natural for me. Mm. And then even though like I was uh, playing baseball in high school and, and jamming with my rock band and like doing all those things too. Yeah. Um, then finally, when I got to college, I didn't know what I wanted to do when I grew up, quote unquote, but like, you know, the, I knew subjects that I liked. You had to take different courses and different things for your core curriculum. Right. right. So, so I took sociology, I took psychology, mm. I took philosophy and I took theology and the all the, the things I failed and the, the, <laughs> and the theology class I took was like dynamite. Yeah. And it really just grabbed me. Wow. That's so awesome. it was after my freshman year um, that I declared theology as my major. Wow. And then of course that was not necessarily something that my mom was thrilled with. She's like, what are you going to do with that? Yeah. I'm like, I don't know. I just know I'm supposed to study it. That's great. And then I went on to actually get a, a double major in, in theology and wow. philosophy. 
So wow. I got a philosophy major as well. I mean, that's, that's awesome, Dave. I mean, our topic today is why study theology? And our guest is theologian, professor, and author, Dr. Andrew Swafford, who is, happens to be the husband of Sarah Swafford, who we've had on our podcast in the past, uh, which is, she's an awesome girl, and he is an awesome guy. I mean, what an interview that uh, we shared, uh, which we're going to hear in just a moment. But perhaps, Dave, you can share a little bit about what theology is. What, is it, what does it mean? Okay, well, the word theology comes from two different Greek words, theos, God, logos, which means word, but maybe more specifically, the word logos means reason. So uh, theology is very literally reasoning about God, hmm. who God is, what God is, and the like. Um, St. Thomas Aquinas defined theology as the science of faith. The science of faith, and uh, the the most famous definition of theology probably comes from Saint Anselm of Canterbury, and that is faith seeking understanding. Uh, so, in both of those instances, you'll see that like theology begins with faith. Mm -hmm. So, what do we mean by that? Well, what we mean is that theology starts with divine revelation and with the sources of divine revelation. That is sacred scripture, sacred tradition, and the teaching of the magisterium. In theology, this is called the auditus fidei. It's called a listening faith. And that means that it's something that we receive and that we assent to. So it's not the job of the theologian to like question divine revelation in the sense of calling it into question mm -hmm. uh, or trying to reinterpret it so it jives with the culture. That's not the job of the theologian. The theologian accepts it as it's been passed on by the church hmm. and her official teaching office. So, so that's really important. This is, uh, this is why knowing the faith is absolutely essential if you're going to do theology. And the fact is that I know a lot of people who maybe have conversions and they're like, yes, I want to study theology. So they go on mm. to study theology, but they've never learned the faith. And then they'll get a theology degree or even two, but, but they don't know the basics of the catechism. See? So if you're not properly catechized, it's going to be really hard to do theology. And that's why I actually think that every theology program and everybody who's studying to be a theologian should begin with fundamental classes on the creeds, the catechism. What is it that we actually say is mm. the faith? Um, but there's a next step to theology. So first is the auditus fidei. You, you're the receiving or listening faith that you accept divine revelation. But then the theologian is supposed to reflect upon what God has revealed in order to be able to explain it um, and draw out the necessary conclusions that flow from it with the help of sound philosophy. And this is called the intellectus fidei, or the thinking faith. This, and this is where speculative theology comes into play. Um, so I can give just, let's say, two examples. First is Mary being called the mother of God. Now, on the face of it, have you ever thought about how strange it is that we say that? Mm. Because God didn't have a beginning. So how does God have a mother? Right. Well, the 
early church struggled with this. And they kind of tried to come up with different solutions. They tried to say, well, is she the mother of Jesus, but not the mother of God? Mm. But the problem with that is that if you said that, you would be saying something wrong about Jesus because you'd be denying the hypostatic union, which is that he had a complete unity of his divine and human natures. Mm. And so it enables us, therefore, to say all kinds of strange things that we couldn't say before. Like, for example, God died on Good Friday. God can't die. He doesn't have an end. Right. But Jesus is God, and Jesus died, so you can say that now. Or, you know, that, that God cried or wept. Theoretically, God cannot be moved in the sense of having emotions like we have emotions. Right. But now that, that God became a man and Jesus wept, we can say God wept. Mm-hmm. Well, likewise, because Jesus is God and Mary is the mother of Jesus, Mary is necessarily the mother of God. Mm-hmm. And so we call her Theotokos or God-bearer in order to preserve something true about who Jesus is. See, mm-hmm. so, so that's like one example. You know, that's not in the scripture necessarily where Mary is the mother of God. Right. Uh, although... Clearly, Jesus refers to her as his mother. Right. Uh, but the church, in thinking about it, says, well, this is a necessary conclusion that flows from what we believe about Jesus. Mm-hmm. Uh, another example would be like transubstantiation and the Eucharist. Now, St. Thomas Aquinas is the one who gives us this language, mm-hmm. but it's, it's dependent on knowledge of Aristotle's philosophy. So if you don't know what Aristotle means by substance and accidents, which is part of Aristotle's metaphysics, mm-hmm. then you, you really can't understand what the church is teaching when it teaches that, that we have transubstantiation with regards to the Eucharist, that there's a change in the substance from bread and wine to the body and blood of Jesus Christ. Hmm. Uh, but that that is how St. Thomas utilized Aristotle's philosophy, which is a sound philosophy, and applied it to a truth of the faith about the Eucharist in order to explain it, in order so we can understand it. And so it's faith seeking understanding. And this is also why, by the way, theology is a science. So St. Thomas Aquinas says that the theology is a science. It's a science because what does science do? What does any science do? It takes known truths and it reasons to unknown truths, right? So it takes known truths and reasons to new truths that were previously unknown Hmm. as a necessary consequence of the truths that we know. Now, that's what every science does, and that's what theology does. It takes known truths, either things we can know about God from reason alone or and more importantly, perhaps, what God has revealed about himself in divine revelation, and then it applies reasoning to those, and it pieces them together in in a logical structure in order to come up with new truths that necessarily flow from those. Mm. And that's how you build a body of doctrine and a body of knowledge, Mm. and how how the catechism goes from from a creed to a big, thick book, right? (laughs) Right. Over 2,000 years of the church's reflection. Mm. So, um, So this is important because I think 
the theologian needs to know philosophy as well. I mentioned how the theologian needs to know faith because you can't seek to understand something you don't know. Mm -hmm. But the theologian also needs philosophy and logic and a, and a training in that in order to be able to properly reflect on what God has revealed and draw out more conclusions from it. And this is the job of the theologian. Yet, I've also met a lot of people who study theology and have degrees in theology have very little philosophy um, and maybe even have never taken a formal logic course. Wow. And I think that that's, uh, that's problematic. Mm -hmm. So... Uh, so every theology program, I think, should have also a certain philosophy requirement mm -hmm. if it's going to be doing the job that it should be doing with right. the people that it's trying to form. Yeah. Fascinating, Dave. Really great. It's really uh, interesting that we can really be enlightened about understanding what theology is, and I think it's helpful. Good. I think so, too. Yeah. And right. I encourage everybody to study it. Amen. But I'm partial. <laughs> <laughs> Says the theologian. <laughs> Peace. All right. Peace. Hey guys, it's Mariama here with Who's That Saint, where I give you three clues on one saint for you to guess before the big reveal. Who's that saint? Let's get started. You know what to do. Yell it in your car if you know who I'm describing. Clue one, born in the mid-1600s in Africa, this saint was convinced of the truth of the Catholic Church at a young age studying and working towards his baptism. However, after learning of the persecution of Christians who opposed the unjust rules of the Ugandan leader at the time, this saint asked for permission to be baptized early. Who is that saint? This is like expert level saint knowledge. Clue number two. Receiving baptism early and armed with the graces of the sacraments, this saint bravely stood against the cruel ruler Mwanga, and was imprisoned with 22 other youths who refused to go against the Lord's commands. Who's that saint? Clue number three. While in prison, this saint proved to be a leader, imploring others to stay steadfast and courageous while facing persecution and death. He preached the gospel to his fellow future martyrs through his own courage and witness and inspired others to remain chaste and pure to the end. He died by fire along with the 22 others who were imprisoned with him. Any guesses on who's that saint? If you guessed St. Charles Luanga, then you are correct. What is so fascinating and inspiring about this saint is that he had every reason to cave into the demands of the ruler at the time, which would have spared him his life. However, instead of seeking comfort and forsaking his eternal soul, St. Charles understood that all of our earthly lives are to prepare us for eternity. Every choice we make is to prepare us for the next life to come. He chose the better part, arming himself with the virtues of courage, fortitude, perseverance, chastity, and purity, while facing death for the sake of Christ. His incredible witness even helped the others with him to do the same. Today, we celebrate the Memorial of St. Charles Luanga and Companions on June 3rd. May we ask this great saint for aid when faced with our own difficult decisions, that we may adhere to the Word of God and trust in His promises, even in the face of danger. St. Charles Luanga and Companions, pray for us.
Hey everyone, this is Jack Garno, a Ray of Hope's director of music and audio production. Welcome back to the Music Corner. In reflecting on the theme of today's episode, Why Study Theology, I'd like to witness to the impact theology has had in my life. When I was a teenager, there were many aspects and teachings of our Catholic faith that I didn't really understand. And this could have been a mixture of bad catechesis and, to put it bluntly, my failure to pay attention in theology class. But ultimately, I regret not putting more effort into understanding our faith earlier in my life, because now I see a direct correlation between seeking to better understand theology and the ability to live out the joy of Christianity. So I've shared this song with you before, but I want to share with you a bit of our live studio version of it, recorded in Nashville at Oceanway Studios with a live string quartet. Jesus is truly the light of the world, but it's crucial to remember that developing our intellect in tandem with living out our faith is so important. Jesus says in the Gospel according to John chapter 14, verse 23, Whoever loves me will keep my word, and my Father will love him, and we will come to him and make our dwelling with him. To keep the Lord's word, I think we must first seek to understand the Lord's word, and we can grow immensely in our understanding of the word through the study of theology. Only then can we fully grasp how it is that Jesus is truly the light of the world. some exciting news. We have a whole new Array of Hope app and channel, a video destination where everyone can find meaningful and inspiring videos and resources to help bring them closer to God. This is available on your desktop, Roku, Apple TV, iPhones, and Android mobile phones and tablets. This channel has movies, short, faith-filled segments, live events, and programs. You've got to check it out. Sign up by going to watch.arrayofhope.net and then download the app at the App Store by just typing in Array of Hope. Dr. Andrew Swafford is the Associate Professor of Theology at Benedictine College. He's the general editor and contributor to the Great Adventure Catholic Bible, published by Ascension Press, and host of the series Hebrews, The New and Eternal Covenant, as well as author and host of Romans, The Gospel of Salvation. He holds a doctorate in sacred theology from the University of St. Mary of the Lake and a master's degree in Old Testament and Semitic languages from the Trinity Evangelical Divinity School. He is a member of the Society of Biblical Literature, an Academy of Catholic Theology, and a senior fellow at the St. Paul Center for Biblical Theology. This is a smart guy. He is married to Sarah Swafford, and they have five children together. Let's welcome Dr. Andrew Swafford. 
So Andrew, uh, thank you so much for uh, hanging with us. Thank you for, so much for coming on. It's a, it's a pleasure to meet you. I, I met your lovely wife, Sarah, earlier. Uh, I guess a couple of months ago, she came on our podcast. So that, that was great to meet her. And now I'm, I'm meeting you. Yeah, so you met the better half, but uh, no, it's great to be with you, and uh, thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. Our wives are always the better halves, right? They keep us Indeed. in line and make us look good. <laughs> that's right. That's right. <laughs> Amen. That's so, exactly right. um, so there's so many. Uh, there's a lot of questions I want to ask you, um, but before I do, uh, I'd like to know a little bit about you. Maybe your background. Uh, were you brought up in a Catholic family, uh, cradle Catholic? Give me a little bit of context as to the the younger uh, Andrew. <laughs> Yeah, I grew up Catholic, but kind of a name only, you know, a little bit more than C&E, you know, but uh, we definitely go to Mass every every, uh, every week. And, um, you know, in high school, it was about parties, girls, image, football, uh, sports. That was kind of where I found my meaning, my life, you know, and mm-hmm. um, I, I grew up in Ohio. And, you know, there you kind of grew up about uh, dreaming about being a Buckeye and you realize maybe at some point you're not quite that good. So uh, I took the next best thing and actually played football uh, at Benedictine College, where I now teach. Um you know, at the time, that was that was the only reason for coming here at all. And, um, you know, sometimes people ask, you know, you grew up four hours from Franciscan. Did you think about going there? I'm like, I, I'd never heard of Franciscan, right? So mm. uh, it was simply about that. And then uh, one thing led to another. My life got, uh, you know, the Lord used low-hanging fruit like football and made uh, made his own magic happen. That, that's awesome. So um, t- was there a, a, something that happened, a pivotal moment, a transformative moment in your life where you actually felt the Lord touch your heart, reveal something to you? I mean, you know, I mean, you were yeah. a jock, right? You were a football player. I played football in high school, too. Uh, <laughs> and then I was moved to becoming a musician. And then I later in life uh, was attracted to understanding who God is and establish a relationship yeah. with him. So tell me a little bit about that you know, that journey, like you, you were a football player, but was God part right. of your life? When, when did it happen for you? You know, so, uh, freshman year in college, you know, I thought I kind of had everything I wanted made the travel squad as a freshman. I made the, the more limited 48 man uh, playoff roster. And, uh, but you know, like, like a lot of us, you think you got it all, but something's missing, right? Something's not there. And, um, just jump ahead to May of my freshman year. Um, our football team played a game in, in France and Paris, France, like kind of an exhibition game. And they do this every couple of years. And I didn't want to go at the time. I just want to get home and try to get on uh, for a starting spot and train that summer. And uh, there I am in Paris, France, and my legs are taken out for me in more ways than one. I broke my leg over there. And uh, I was just crushed. Like everything that may be me is just gone. That wow. summer kind of sink into a depression. And uh, I had had, um, and your listeners might know his name, Dr. Edward Sree. He taught at sure. Benedictine for nine years. Sure. So I had him for two classes just before the injury. And wow. I was intrigued up here, but I wasn't ready to change my life. And uh, that summer, it was like a slow trickle from the head to the heart. And then fast forward to the beginning of my sophomore year in August, and the, he and I got pretty close, and we went out to lunch at uh, McDonald's here in Atchison, Kansas, and I just fired questions at him left and right. What about this? What about that? And he's like, you know, I'm teaching this class called Christian Moral Life. It it sounds like it'd be right up your alley. It's full, but if you'd like, I'll let you in. Ah, uh, well, you know, I, I, I told him, I've got 17 hours. Uh, everything I'm taking, I need. Can I think about it? Maybe call you tomorrow. I was like, yeah, sure. Well, I redshirted that season because I didn't want to waste your eligibility. I haven't trained all summer and uh, took that class. And like, you know, so many of us, like you think it's going to be a bunch of rules and this and that, and you can't do that. And it was, I couldn't have been more wrong. It was, you know, about freedom, friendship, virtue, happiness. All of a sudden I could see this is why 
you're not happy because you're, you're made for more. And uh, so that was the beginning of it for me was that class. And you know, what's intriguing is, is just in the past couple of years, uh, his daughter is here at Benedictine and I've actually had her in that exact class that uh, I now teach. They really circle. changed my life. Full so, circle. Yeah. So, I mean, one thing led to another, there's more things along the way, but that was the beginning of it. And um, I kept playing football, but it was like that killer instinct. It's like, I want to play the game that matters uh, you know, mm. life and death eternally. And it's like, it just kind of <laughs> shifted, you know, and, and um, just couldn't get enough and wanted to give back on what he gave to me. And that's really why I'm where I am now. That's cool. So your, your journey is actually, you were developing your intellect, you were intrigued, you were sort of challenging yourself to better understand who God is, was, and, uh, and, but was there a moment where, you know, there was a merging of the heart and the intellect where you actually felt like, oh my goodness, this is yeah. beyond the intellect. This is beyond uh, the yeah. natural. It's a supernatural existence that maybe I was missing my whole life. I, can you talk to that or speak to that? Yeah. I mean, and if I could just continue on the journey just a little bit. So like I, I'm sophomore year being drawn in this class and you know, uh, sort of hang out the uh, focus uh, group Bible study. And, mm -hmm. you know, they had that stability, that peace, that joy that I didn't have. Like my life went up and down with the outside, you know, waits, times, uh, playing time, things like that. And as I'm being drawn in, there's one thing kind of left that I'm, I'm kind of unwilling to give over to the Lord. And that was a relationship with a girlfriend back in high school. And I remember kind of fumbling through prayers and, and do I, should I leave this? And I, you know, I don't know how to explain it, but in October of that year, I remember almost audibly saying, no matter what you say, I'm not going to do it. And by two months later, going home for Christmas break, I just knew, and I, I had encountered the Lord and just knew this was the very last thing holding me back. And as you say, it's, it's, it's a confidence and a conviction hmm. that I, I couldn't really articulate. I can't, I can't measure. I can't say why. I just knew this. I had encountered something real, someone real, and I wanted to give my entire life to it. And all my high school friends went back home that break. I never felt more alone, but more at peace in my life. I and mean, they're like, what happened to Swafford? He's got he's been brainwashed. And, <laughs> yeah. and I just couldn't get enough. I mean, I just had never felt challenged personally in that way, morally and spiritually as I was, maybe athletically. And even you mentioned the academics. I mean, I wasn't really a great student before this. I mean, I I, I did all right, but I didn't really care. I didn't try. It was when I had my conversions. Like, I want to know everything about the mm. Lord, about his creation. Like, I just mm. couldn't get enough. And it was like this... Uh, you know, whatever there was before with me with, you know, weights and whatnot, yeah. training, it just got tilted and transferred. And then it was like, you know, just, but it was never, you know, the, the academics were part of it. But with, especially with Dr. Shree, I saw a model of them both coming together. I mean, his classes were transformative. Like they were there, the conversion buttons were pushed and you were being formed in the mind. And so it, it was always kind of a, you know, a thread together for me uh, as I experienced it and as I wanted to give it to others. That's awesome. I mean, you you got you got the, the you got the spiritual and theological bugs so much so that you became an evangelist because you wanted to share the beauty of what you felt. I mean, essentially, that happens yeah. to people that are in ministry, right? We want to share the love yeah. that most, like you had said, you saw it in other people and you were seeking it. What, what do they have that I don't have, right? Right. And, you know, Sarah, uh, my wife, transferred into Benedict in the following year. So I look back and I see, you know, sometimes closed doors are scary. It's like, if I go all in, am I going to lose myself? It's like, but sometimes, you know, when your life's balanced on the edge of a knife, it's like a door's got to shut for a new one to open. And I look back and I see the Lord preparing me for her. Uh, but you don't know those kinds of things at the, at the time. Yeah. One of the things I say here at Array of Hope, you live your life forward, but then you understand it backward, right? You can, <laughs> once you kind of 
walk away from it. You can actually see God's plan for you yeah. uh, in Amen. retrospect. And it's like, then it, it, for me, it's my heart swells. I just like, I'm overwhelmed at how much he loves me and how much he've, he's been planning my life even before I even knew it. So it, it's beautiful. And, and it's, uh, it's something that uh, I pray for people to recognize and see that God's always with us, right? He's always there, Amen. you know, showing us the way. And sometimes we don't see it. Sometimes we don't want to see it. Um, one of the things I wanted to ask you is that, so you, you became a, a student of the Bible, biblical theology per se, also biblical languages, which I find very interesting uh, because you had to study the Bible in multiple languages, which sometimes I get into these theological arguments when someone like picks up a Bible, it's not even a Catholic Bible, and they read it verbatim, and they said, this, this, this is what this means to me, but, you know, the, the essence of really understanding the Bible is to go deep uh, from sure. the origins of the Bible and to even go even deeper in the original language it was written in. So maybe you can kind of speak to that a little bit and, and the importance of that. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I, I had multiple loves. So it was, uh, I mean, I love St. Thomas. I love John Paul II. And I love theology, but I also love scripture. And I love kind of bringing all these worlds together. And uh, it was that love. And, and scripture really was part of my story. So, um, converting it was the moral life class but also connecting the the story of salvation connecting jesus to the church that was huge for me um so that's just kind of motivated a deep love for scripture and, and encountering the lord in and through the sacred page and from that it was you know i want to know it as best as i can and then it was to a sense of intensive study of greek of hebrew did aramaic um you know it, it's you know our lord um our faith our Lord didn't just drop down an idea. He encountered us in time and space, right? So he encountered a people, uh, the apostles touched Jesus, sat with him. To, you know, he this is real time, real space, real history. It's not on Middle Earth, you know, as much as I love Tolkien. Uh, when we say in the Creed, he was crucified, he suffered under Pontius Pilate. That's because these things really happened. Uh, so we want to know the history, we want to know the language, we want to know the culture. And so I think the biggest thing is it just walks you into that. Uh, it walks you into that. And, and it certainly opens up the meaning of various passages. And it can correct, you know, errors like you're kind of mentioning. I mean, um, one of the things I'll share with students is just because you see uh, a different English word doesn't mean you have a different Hebrew word behind it, for example. Um, you know, mm. one times where this shows up a lot is like the whole brothers of Jesus in the New Testament. But when you right. realize that the Hebrew, ah, brother, uh, in the Old Testament is much wider than simply biological sibling. Like, so like Abraham and Lot are called Achim, so uh, brothers literally in the Hebrew, uh, even though it'll say kinsmen often in translations because the translators know, well, it's not really his brother, right. but you don't know that the word brother is used there. Or David and uh, Jonathan in 2 Samuel 1, they're called brothers, right? But uh, so when you have that and you realize the New Testament's written in Greek, but very often, they're they're very often they're thinking in Hebrew. Uh, you you have Semitic authors most of the time, and so uh, moving from Hebrew to the Greek of the New Testament, I've really found powerful to kind of enter into the cultural world that Jesus lived in and spoke. Uh, and the one danger that I would say is it, it's I mean you never want to bury God's word of the past. Right, God's word is living; it can speak to every age. And so I love to kind of see the meaning in its own context, and then really with the tradition from the heart of the church, see how it, it bubbles, it overflows, right, to the liturgical life of the church, the saints, and to my life right now. Yeah, that's awesome. I, I, 
try not to get too excited when you're sharing the faith. And it's that uh, our, li- our listeners, our Catholic listeners, are not used to it. I'm only kidding. I'm only kidding. No, no, I got you. I got you. <laughs> I'm only kidding to our listeners. I don't want to insult anybody. But the, you I'm, know, it's I'm, like when I ask my students about a passage, I'm like, well, if you don't know this, just ask your Protestant friend next to you, right? You're right, right. No, it's uh, it's um, you know. It's very rare that you get, you know, Catholics that are on fire about the Bible. You know, it's it's an anomaly, really. And and I, and I always share this with some of my our, our Protestant brothers and sisters. And say, well, look, you don't realize, but our Mass is then is is all Scripture. You know, it's it's yeah. we're, we're in the Bible all the time. It's just that Catholics don't often recognize it or even realize it. So it, yeah. it's beautiful. Um, I know that you've done a, a multiple of Bible studies uh, with Ascension Press, and one of them was, or a few of them were, uh, the letter to the Hebrews, and also one was the uh, St. Paul's letter to the Romans. So um, yeah. maybe you could, you know, talk to that and, 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 and what you've learned and what you can reveal to our viewers and listeners. Yeah, I mean, a big thing, let's just say Romans first. I mean, Romans, a lot of ink's been spilled on Romans. So, uh, but but really what the heart of the faith is about is about entering into Christ's life and allowing Christ's life to be reproduced in and through my life. And in a real way, this begins in our baptism. We're baptized into his death and we share in his resurrection then. And it continues with the Spirit's ongoing transformation of our lives. In a sense, it's consummates, uh, it's consummated the Holy Eucharist where we're offered up in him, with him, and through him to the Father. And, and really it's complete upon our, our martyrdom uh, whether that's red or white, but that 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 he may increase and I may decrease. It's not I live, but Christ who lives in me. And so Romans really is all about that. I mean, I know people will, will think of it as what's well, where the faith works debates going on and, and Martin Luther and the Reformation, and that's all part of it. But when you kind of dig even deeper, um, it's it, it's you know it's a danger to read 16th century debates onto the first century because Paul mm. really wouldn't know what you're talking about. Just to give you a quick example, he bookends that letter with the obe- a phrase, the obedience of faith. In Romans 1 5 and then 1626, the obedience of faith. And faith, the Greek word there is pistis, emanon, Hebrew, uh, it, it really is more like faithfulness. Even some Protestant scholars have said what Paul really means is allegiance to the divine king, to Christ. And so you realize it's not merely like beliefism, it's, it's a faithfulness that is perfected in love and charity. And so, really, the whole vision he sees in there is our entering, moving from the old Adam into the new Adam in Christ uh, and sharing in his death and resurrection and being conformed, as he puts it in Romans 8, 29, conformed to the image of Christ, the firstborn. Uh, that's what it's all about. It's about grace perfecting me and 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 really in a dynamic way. Salvation is not a one-time event. In a dynamic way, bringing me into conformity to Christ and allowing his life to be reproduced in me. It's awesome. It's beautiful. And, 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 yeah, in Hebrews, if I, I mean, just briefly, I mean, one of the things that I love about Hebrews is most people think it, it seems to be an ancient homily. It seems to be an ancient homily given in the context of a Eucharistic liturgy. And so really, Hebrews, you get this notion of the Mass, the Eucharist really is the heavenly liturgy that we're in, we're moving into and sharing mm-hmm. in. And if the old kind of imitated that heavenly and the new through Christ, Christ has reconciled heaven and earth, we share in that heavenly liturgy now because wherever the King is, there's the kingdom. Wherever the Eucharist is, there, my friends, is the King. Yeah. And I know that you work for with Ascension Press, right? You're, you're still working with them and doing yeah. some work with them. And, and you were involved with Jeff Cavins for the Great Adventure Bible, right? Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah. So, I mean, the, the Great Adventure Bible, uh, the, you know, this is Jeff Cavins' baby. I mean, the Bible timeline yeah. He's such a, a brilliant and wonderful uh, teacher mm-hmm. on scripture. Mm-hmm. Uh, putting that Bible together, it was me, myself, Jeff Cavins, uh, Mary Healy, and Peter Williamson. And in terms of crafting all the essays that go with the Bible and, and the, the kind of call outs and just the different things that are part of it. And then this, you know, the Bible in a year with Father Mike and Jeff, I mean, just 
it's it just astounding the reach that they've had. It's just it's, so it's breathtaking. It's beautiful. Yeah, it's just it's just it's just amazing. So I love working with them. I, I really love my time with Ascension. Got a couple more projects coming down the pipeline uh, soon. My wife are, and I are in contract to write. Uh, we're writing a book right now with them, and then. Um, a new one, uh, Marcelino D'Ambrosio and I wrote a book called The Beauty of the Catholic Faith, uh, What We Believe, and that'll be coming out this summer. And we also filmed a, an extensive study based on it with my wife, so the three of us in Rome on site going through the creed. Uh, it's kind of a follow-up to their Jesus study, uh, mm. with um, you know, it, but on the church and the faith of the church. And so, um, you know, when you get Bible and catechism together with Catholics, um, Catholics who are studying the faith but living the faith liturgically, sacramentally, it's just so powerful. And we're seeing this with Father Mike's, you know, just beautiful preaching and Jeff and all these. It, it really, I mean, the more workers in the vineyard, all your work, I mean, the more the, the merrier, the more the better. I mean, we're all on the same team. It's just amazing to see what's happening right now. That's beautiful. Um, it, it just goes to show how important, you know, study and, and Bible study is. And, and uh, maybe you can talk to the importance of knowing your 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 catechism, knowing the theology of who we are as Catholics. Uh, you shared a little bit about it yeah. just before, but maybe you can touch upon it a little yeah. bit more. You know, we've got like a Benedict and we've got some like 200 theology majors, but most of those are double majors. Most of them are majoring in psychology, some economics, accounting, business, nursing, uh, because theology, you might go into it professionally, but it, we also think that it'll help form who you are, change how you raise your family, how you live your life. It'll make whatever you do deeper and better and just live in the human life. Um, you know, there's a lot of I'd say this maybe to our listeners, there's so much happening. There's so many things, craziness and whatnot. And it's easy to get sucked into all the politics and the news. And, and we need to be engaged, no doubt. Um, but the best way to know a counterfeit is to know the real thing. And right. so when you when we know mm -hmm. who we are, we know right. what we believe, we'll be poised to answer things as opposed to just being like a pinball where it's like, well, they said this, what do I say? Ah, just dive deep, put roots deep into our faith, enter the mystery of Christ, and we'll be able to handle those things as they come. So if we love God, we want to know him, know what he's done for us. Um, the combination of, 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 of study and prayer, of living the faith together, um, you know, we all want to evangelize. But I think there is a question, and we evangelize with our encounter, our experience, but that's really enhanced when we can explain it and go deeper and, and, and theologically. There's a danger of just talking about God, so there's a danger there. I'm not going to make this theology like the fix-all. But if we love our faith and we want to know our faith and dive deeper into our faith, we'll be better evangelists because of it. Yeah. Well, th this might be a, a question outside of the norm or your area of expertise, but the Holy Spirit is asking me to ask this to you, so I'm going to ask it. So, right. you know, one of the things I found that most people are leaving the church because uh, they're, 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 it, it's not doing for them, or they disagree with the teachings of the church, or quite frankly, right. they're undercatechized. They're not. They're malformed, not right. really understanding right. where the teachings come from. Hence, why they don't agree with it, and they just walk yeah. away. So, what can we do as an apostolate, or lay apostolates, or evangelists, uh, to draw people to the church in a way that is welcoming, loving, uh, and really, you know, not being divisive in in the way we share the faith? Totally. I, I mean, I, I think so. I think two things. I think one piggyback on what we just said. Uh, I love how C.S. Lewis and McCrishetti put it this way. So neither this belief nor any other will remain alive unless it's fed. And so if our faith, so I think we have to realize, okay, I could become that person. If I'm not praying, if I'm not feeding my faith, I could lose my faith. I think a lot of people who lose it. They just a slow drift, right? It just becomes less and less meaningful. And they're 
also surrounded by a culture, maybe colleagues and people who who don't see it that way. And it's we 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 forget how impactful that is. And we'll just eventually just take on the colors of our surroundings if we don't feed our faith and sink deeper. So I think one feeding our faith. I think two, in terms of how we engage, uh, I think one first thing, have the courage to be ourselves. Right. So if you if you come off a, a conference or you go somewhere or you know someone says Monday morning, how was your week? And don't just be like, fine, how was yours? Be like, oh, you know, I went to this conference on Christ-like leadership. It was really powerful, really moving. How was yours? If they want to ask more, they can. But I think it, we miss a lot if we just, just be ourselves. Or you have a great confession. You know, I've been kind of down lately. And I had this great confession. Uh, yeah, thanks for asking. How are you doing? Those little moments of just kind of acknowledging our faith, uh, I, I, the acknowledging how important it is to us, I think goes so far and invites conversation later on. I think, too, on that note, uh, where appropriate, find ways to uh, acknowledge the personal dimension of our faith. Don't just hide behind ideas and apologetics. Acknowledge our encounter with the Lord and what it means to us. And that's scary, but if we don't do that, um, there's there's literature on this that a lot of people don't really even believe that a personal encounter with God is even possible. Mm. If we don't talk about ours, where will they ever hear that? Mm. And I think maybe maybe two more, I guess, pointers that I, I, I often utilize. Um, one, make it about Jesus. Make it about Jesus. Uh, a lot of people love to hate on the church, but they don't want to hate on Jesus. And I think if we can lead with Jesus and connect Jesus to the church over time, that will be powerful. I think two, don't be afraid of the provocative question. Um, you know, we got to live a bold life, but we also need a well-timed and occasional bold word. Uh, sometimes, you know, someone comes to you with some heavy stuff. They're, they're you know, they're, maybe it's cancer. Maybe it's something really deep and heavy. You know, at some point, maybe ask, and hey, where is God in this for you? Or, or is the Lord in this for you? And, you know, just get them talking. And, you know, maybe along the same lines, like, don't be afraid to let people vent. I know I'm giving you a lot, but um, that's good. You know, I'm, so an good. I'm an atheist. I'm an agnostic. You know, Sherry Waddell is great on this. She's like, don't ever accept a label without a story. Follow mm. it up. D did you ever believe in God? Get them talking about their spiritual journey. And the more they, even if it's frustrations with the church, the more we let them vent and they see that we're not defensive, it will be disarming. And over time, we'll win the right to be heard. So just have the courage to be ourselves, I think, number one. And then don't be afraid to have the kind of well-timed, occasional, bold word, maybe an open-ended question uh, to kind of just raise the level of the conversation, you know, a little yeah. bit more spiritual, a little bit more deep, you know, deeper, and just invite it and see where it goes. And, and, and just be modest, right? Let you water, let the Holy Spirit right. do the rest, and don't be afraid. Let's just be ourselves. Yeah, it's great advice. Essentially, lead with love, right? An example, uh, which is, uh, it's always uh, a good way to present the faith. So listen, Andrew, it was really awesome to spend some time with you. Is there anything that you want to share with our viewers and listeners, a project you're working on, something that you're excited about? Yeah. The uh, the beauty of the Catholic faith, what we believe, uh, coming out with Ascension, March Lino D'Ambrosio and I this summer, and there'll be a whole film study based on it, filmed on site in Rome. Uh, the film crew is fantastic. Uh, it, it's uh, it's it's really going to be awesome. We, uh, My wife and I have um, a, an online store, uh, Emotional Virtue, dot bigcartel.com emotionalvirtue.bigcartel.com all of our stuff's there books and t-shirts and things like that um so just keep praying for us that's the biggest thing uh, we're all we moving here together praying for you all Great. mario thank you for your work it's just a blessing to to be on here with you i appreciate that likewise peace my brother god bless so we've come to the end of yet another podcast thanks a lot for hanging out with us today I want to remind you to please share this podcast with as many people as possible. Let everybody know what we're doing here at Array of Hope. If you've been blessed by our work, please consider going to our donation page on our website at arrayofhope.com.
www.thepacticalfaith.org. Also, join us on social media. We have lots of fun stuff up there. We have music, we have videos, we have daily reflections, all things that keep you connected to our faith. We also pray the Divine Mercy Chaplet daily on Instagram at 3 p.m. So please join us as we all join together in praying as the Universal Church. And lastly, go to our channel where you can check out lots of the films that we're producing and see our next Rise Up Live show, a kind of Catholic variety show of sorts. It's really great for the entire family. Our guest next time will be Sister Miriam James Hydland. Our theme will be Loved As I Am. This is going to be very informative. So thanks a lot for joining us today. And there's always a reason for hope. This is Mario Costabile. Until next time, peace. Peace.